y'all. You are tuned in to the Listen Up Podcast. I'm your host, Jess, and it's time for you to listen up to what God has called you to do. Let's get it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Listen Up With Jess podcast. I am so excited that you press play on this episode. Like I told you guys, we are launching a new series called Healing in Progress, where I'm going to sit down with some amazing people to share their healing story. Okay, so... Y'all, like, I'm excited about this guest that I have today, my good, good sister, Laura Kay. Laura Kay is the host of the Bloom Blooming Again, the podcast, okay? And let me tell y'all, if y'all like Listen Up With Jess, you're going to love Blooming Again. Like, I'm talking about real, transparent, and authentic all the way with just the mo- different topics that Laura Kay has shared. She has a background within social work and psychology, and she's just really just intellectual with her her experiences, things that she's gone through, and very transparent in sharing those stories. And a quick just snippet of how we met. I love that our story on how we met. So Laura Kay and I, we met in the middle of the pandemic, like in the beginning stages, It's like March of what, 2020. And if it was not for the pandemic, I would have never met you. And so we met through a um, small group. Um, it was with Sticky Note Faith, with mm-hmm. shout out to Nia, <laughs> with Sticky Note Faith. And she had this amazing ministry um, where we met together and we did like virtual gatherings. And Lorke was in um, my group and it was just instant connection. Yeah. I mean, you became like my little sis. I was just yeah. like, you know, and just to see your transformation um, of how we were first in that small group and where you and how much you have grown, like when it comes to vulnerability, when it comes to just expressing yourself and just, you know, um, being confident in, in sharing that story is amazing. And so I'm excited because we're doing crossover episodes, y'all. So you're about to listen to part one of this series of this episode. And then you have to go to the Blooming Again podcast and listen to part two, where you're going to hear my story um, and my perspectives. And you're also going to hear Laura Kay on my platform. And so We're doing this because we believe cultivating together. We believe putting each other on. And I know that this is going to be an episode you don't want to miss. So remember, it's part one and part two that you got to listen up to at the Blooming Again. Okay, so in this episode, y'all, we about to get real vulnerable. Okay, Laura Kay and I, we have this shared it's kind of like a shared trauma. <laughs> it's crazy, unfortunately, but it's still beautiful to know that um, we had this same, um, you know, sh- the same, almost the same story. And yet while it is, it is, you know, traumatizing and sad at times, it's still to know that you have someone else with you that's you can heal together with. I think that's what's important, right? And so... Um, you know, we're going to be talking about daddy wounds, okay? And so for those who have ever just experienced any type of um, mommy or daddy wounds, really, uh, but specifically daddy wounds, but it, you can also have a mommy wound where it's just in your childhood, there was just some type of, you know, neglect or disconnect um, from your parents that you grew up with, the parent that you grew up with that has um, impacted you significantly in your relationships and, you know, 
into your just vulnerability and emotional state of being. Um, and so we're going to dig all into that. And I think this is so fitting because, um, you know, it's important that we recognize and we reflect on these um, different traumas that we have. And especially when it comes to our daddy wounds, because so many things are connected to it that we just never knew, like, you know, and there's so many times where we may, you know, be entering into relationships or entering into, um, you know, big life decisions. And we try to understand why is our personality like that? You know, why am I struggling with trusting? Why am I struggling with rejection? Why am I struggling with these things? Right. And to know that it is connected to some level of um, our daddy wounds is, it's something that we need to t talk about and we need to, you know, really discuss the healing process in that. So that's what we're going to be speaking on, Laura Kay. So welcome to the podcast. Say what's up. Kind of, you know, uh, we're going to go. I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, but we're so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this opportunity and to be on your podcast. Like you said, we met through the Sticky Note Faith Small Groups. Again, shout out Nia. Um, that experience really transformed my life. And I'm just so grateful to have met you and all the women who have become part of my support network. Here we are over a year later. We've since done another small group with another group of women. Shout out Revision Church. And we've just honestly become more than friends, Jess. You are my sister. And I'm so grateful to be having such an important conversation with you. A little bit more about me I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm currently pursuing my master's in social work at Simmons University with a specialization in trauma. I'm really interested in understanding how trauma works, how it can impact not just our minds, but also our bodies, and how it can be passed down from generation to generation, and how it can be vicarious. That means just that I can watch something happen to someone else and become traumatized because of that. So I'm really interested in understanding all of those things. For me, it's really important to learn about those things so that we can really begin to develop a pathway for healing. I also want to say I believe in the power of collective healing and um, I love that you've titled this series Healing in Progress. A lot of times we wait until the healing happens at the end of our stories and don't share them while we're going through it. And I understand why that is for a lot of reasons, but I also just think it's so powerful and beneficial to share in the midst of your journey. And I'm so glad that that's what we're doing, you know? And so honestly, this conversation is right up my alley. So let's get into it. It's going to be a little personal, but <laughs> I'll be okay. You said it first, like when you say it's so important to share in the midst of our healing. I think what happens is because it, it's hard. It makes it more like transparent, right? And just real when you can share in the midst because all we're hearing is the overcoming, the victory. And so then for people that are actually going through it, they're just like, well, you've already, you've gotten to the peak, you've overcome it. So yeah. now I can't really relate to you. So I really, you know, hope that our audience is really going to appreciate that we're really taking the time. Like we're not sitting here talking about, oh yeah, we're over our daddy's. We're literally in the midst of this joint. Okay. Right. Like right. no cap, like still in a whole therapy, you know, crying about this stuff. Okay. <laughs> you know, trying to really work this thing out. But like you said, it is healing 
And it can also be healing to someone else by us going into it. So, you know, my first question, I always like try to break things down. Like when we're going, when it talks about in progress, I'm like, okay, the first thing we need to do is recognize and reflect that thing. We need to recognize the issue. What is the issue, right? And so when we're talking about, you know, daddy issues today, uh, you know, when did you first realize you even had daddy issues? Yeah, that's a really good question. So my story is kind of interesting in that my parents got divorced when I was really young. I think I was about eight or nine. I could have even been seven. Honestly, I don't remember the age. Anyways, I was really young when it happened. But before that time, I remember being a daddy's girl through and through. And so I won't bore you with all the dramatics of the custody battle that my parents went through, but there was a two-year time period where I wasn't living with my mother. I was actually living with my father because I had chosen to stay with him. When my parents got a divorce or when my mother left my father, really, let's start there, um, she left him on my birthday. And so... That really hurt my feelings. It's also one of the reasons why I don't celebrate my birthday now. And in that time period, I thought I would be spending a lot more time with him than I actually did. But in those two years, I was actually going back and forth between him and other family members like my aunts and my godfather and godmother and things like that. It was really wild. Like He really couldn't take care of me because I was a little girl and he didn't know what I needed. But after the custody battle ended and it was decided that I would live with my mother, I actually didn't see my father again. So during the first few months, he did the weekend dad thing. You know, he would show up at my house and um, we would sit in his car, talk for maybe 30 minutes, me and my siblings, and then he would leave. And that would be my interaction with him. And that was it for a couple of months. And then... Slowly but surely, the visit stopped and I didn't hear from him again. And so that really negatively impacted me, especially because of where I was developmentally at that stage and also the fact that I had been living with him or I had chose to live with him and I didn't really see him in that two-year time period, but I had also had an estranged relationship with my mother. And so that also just really negatively impacted me. There's a lot going on here, Jess, but I think I realized that I had these issues pretty early on. I also think about the places that I went to frequently and the people that I surrounded myself with. So if you think about where I grew up in Boston, I grew up in the hood and um, I went to a school full of black and brown kids. A lot of us didn't have daddies. But when I went to church, the way that things looked were different. I saw a lot of conventional families and I felt left out. And so I think it was in those spaces where my feelings of sadness for not having a father were highlighted the most. Mm, mm, Wow. So, I mean, man, like you were so young. Right. And so you being that young, like you feel like, what I mean, what age were you probably were you like in high school, middle school when you realized, OK, there's there's this disconnect. Like I used to be a daddy's girl. Now my father is nowhere, you know, in my life. Like, you know, and how were you able to really like truly recognize that thing? Um, like, was it through different like interactions with relationships and things like that or? 
Yes. So actually, after my parents got a divorce, my school put me in therapy. I was in a small group for children whose parents have died or parents have gotten divorced or something traumatic had happened that had impacted the family structure. And so we would meet in these small groups every week to talk about our feelings. And I honestly didn't realize what it was. But now, obviously, I'm in the School of Social Work. I'm studying trauma. I'm learning about all these interventions that exist for children and other groups of people who experience things that impact them and helping them find coping mechanisms. I'm realizing that's what that was. And I'm really grateful for that space, you know. Obviously, again, I didn't know what it was back then, but I think when you're a child and you're going through that experience, it can be really confusing because you don't understand what's going on. You don't have language to talk about how you're feeling, but you're feeling those feelings, and it was just a place where those feelings were validated. So I think it was in that space where I started to realize that something was missing. Again, I didn't have language to say that I had daddy issues or X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? I didn't have the language to express how I was feeling, but I very much was aware of those feelings and I knew that something was missing. Really quickly, I also just want to touch on the history of the term daddy issues or the idea of daddy issues and unpack what that actually means. So there's a theory, it's called attachment theory. And basically the theory explains that as children, um, we grow up, we develop a type of bond with our caregivers or our parents. And if our parents and caregivers do a good job at responding to our needs and help us to feel safe and secure, we develop what's called a secure attachment. If our caregiver is absent, is inconsistent, and doesn't respond to our emotional needs and doesn't help us to feel safe and secure, then we develop what's called an insecure attachment. And I don't want to get too much into this because I don't want the people listening to feel like they're in class. But my point is that these things um, that we're calling daddy issues, they're real. There's a real science and psychology behind it. And I think that can be helpful to know because it puts things into perspective a bit. At least it did for me. And um, it helped me to understand myself better. Yes. I love that you brought up the attachments and kind of help educate us on that because I think um, there's a lot of myths when it comes to daddy issues. I remember growing up and my story, while our stories are similar, they're very different where, you know, your dad, you know, left at an early age and you got divorced. Your parents got divorced young where my story is different. My parents get divorced. They just got divorced after 30 years of marriage. And then um, but my dad was always in the home. So for 25 years, my parents were together in the home together. And so I thought that daddy issues were only for people that had absent fathers. And so from the outside looking in, people would see, you know, at that age, you know, back, back in middle school and high school, everybody's parents were splitting up. Like that was just, it just was the thing. But everyone's like, oh, Jessica, your parents are still together. Like you're so blessed. Da, 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 da. They didn't know what was really, you know, going down. Okay. <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, I didn't realize and literally until 2018 that I even had any kind of 
any daddy issues or, you know, because of just the emotional um, detachment that I had from my father. Like we just did not have any type of emotional connection, vulnerability and things like that, where um, I didn't realize that that was a part of a lot of of the decision-making that I was making when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, and definitely when I got into college, you know? And so I'm glad you brought that up because the attachments are so important. And it's going into my next question is like, how do you feel your daddy issues have affected you with your past relationships? And this can be romantically, this can be with friendships. I mean, uh, you know, coworkers, whatever. It's just like in relationships in general, but you know, we can definitely see there's always a direct correlation into our romantic relationships when it comes to our daddy wounds. Yes, for sure. I think for me, um, the way that it's impacted me in general is um, I'm a very emotional person. And so I feel the pain of that absence um, a lot. Even if I don't acknowledge it, I know that I feel it often. Um, I think one of the ways that it's impacted me the most was just me being afraid to end up alone and to not be married. That's still a fear that I have. Um, I think I have a lot of issues around insecurity, self-esteem, and confidence. And I think that that caused me to needing a lot of reassurance from guys that I was talking to or in relationships with, whatever the case was. And I also think this has looked like me accepting the bare minimum from men because I wasn't used to getting anything from them at all, you know, because I didn't have a dad in my life. So I would take whatever that they would give me. And yeah, it's it's a lot. I also think I went through a period where I was just extremely uncomfortable talking to men, like to the point where in undergrad, I wouldn't register for a class if I saw that the professor was a male. And so it's impacted me a lot. Yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if we have this wound that we are trying to fill a void or we're trying to understand this, like it will, you, you want to self-protect because you don't want to keep enter. You don't want to keep having this self-afflicted wound opening back up again. So you're just like self-protect. Let me just, you know, avoid any type of awkwardness or any triggers of this, but not really getting to the root cause of healing it. Right. And so, you know, it depends on where you are. Like, I'm glad you brought that when it comes to like past relationships and things like that. Like, I don't know if you heard of this term, but so you, you, we've heard of codependency, right? But have you heard of counter dependency? I'm not sure. I don't think so. What is that? So counter dependency is the fear of intimacy. And, and I was reading this article. I freaked out, Laura Kay, because the thing is, um, I was struggling, you know, talking about when it came, we were talking, you were just talking about trust, right? And I was reading an article how like signs, how do you know you have a daddy, right? And one of the signs, the second sign is when it says, when you really have a hard time trusting any guy you're with, you see, you have to screen them. So meaning you don't trust, you don't trust because you subconsciously trusted your dad and he hurt you slash didn't meet your expectations or he didn't accept you 
or didn't validate you or loved you unconditionally or loved you conditionally or abandoned you or emotionally starved you. Then so it's like you ended up because your dad didn't protect you the way you wanted. Now you're subconsciously screening every guy that you're around because you really, you know, you don't really trust them. And so counter dependency is the definition of fear of intimacy. And so some of the um, the characteristics were scaring me, like because I was just like, oh, my goodness. This is me where codependency is when you're, you know, codependent on someone and you just, you know, you seek validation from them. You're heavily dependent on everything because you are really trying to seek validation or get this self-worth from someone else other than yourself. Right. Where the opposite is that I am fully dependent. I don't need anyone. I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to get too emotionally involved when we become really intimate, I actually run away. I'm scared um, because I think that you're going to upset me or you're not going to follow through like I've seen it before, right? And it said, um, it said the behaviors involved in vo- avoidance and intimacy in any adult relationships by creating rigid boundaries, pushing away others, appearing overly independent, um, acting strong or blaming others to or blaming others or keeping very busy. And I was like, ooh, call me out. Okay, right. first of all, call me out. And it also said that the code, it says code um, counter dependents are often come across as vibrant life of the parties. I was like, and has many friends and relationships. I said, wow. I almost started crying when I saw this because I was just like, God, this is me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's so sad because I see how it is connected to I am literally running and scared of intimacy because I was not able to have the emotional intimacy with my father. So I just don't believe it's capable. I don't think it's real in men, because if you think about the first man you were ever supposed to really love was your dad and you're supposed to hear I love you and to feel love, you know, and to feel beautiful and all these things. So it's like if that one person couldn't do that why would just a random man come in my life and be able to be that for me? And so these are things that I'm learning now, like at 28, (laughs) you know, after I've had several relationships and now it makes sense because I was so, I was so scared to even get really serious or want to be vulnerable because I was never vulnerably safe with my dad, if that makes sense, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you were saying that, I was just like, dang, like, you know, some of these things that we're like now having to like reflect on and, and look at ourselves. Right. And not blaming, like, I'm not, I had to take a moment today. I'm not even gonna lie before, because I kind of started feeling sad. I'm like, dang, this really sucks, God. Like I'm out here and this like sums me all up, you know, but I also realized that I can't help it. You know, like at the end of the day, we all have some level of trauma and, um, it's not, it's just unique. It's not that, you know, um, it's never, it's not our fault. We can't avoid it. It's just, we need to know like, okay, it doesn't have to be generational. So now how do I break the cycle? How do I, you know, work on it not being just, you know, saying, well, this is just who I am. For a lot of people, me being one of them, I think There's self-reflection and internal work that has to be done before they move past the, this is just who I am answer. 
I've literally known four years that I needed to go to therapy, but it took me so long because I wasn't ready. I didn't want to process my emotions and specifically, I didn't want to process my emotions relating to my father because I had experienced rejection before and I didn't want to relive that and I didn't want to go through those feelings again. I remember in my final semester of college, um, I wanted to invite my father to my graduation. I Again, I hadn't spoken to him probably since I was like 8, 9, 10 at this point, but you know... I wanted to try again. And so I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter because I wanted to invite him, but I didn't want to invite him until I had said how I felt. And so I wrote this letter. I emailed him the letter and I also texted him the letter. So I sent it to him in three different ways um, so that I could ensure that he received the letter. And a couple days went by, a week went by, A month went by, another month went by, and I didn't hear from him. He didn't respond to my letter, and that honestly broke my heart. And it hurt me a lot. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I tried, and so I'm just going to move on and forget about it and continue to exist as if he didn't exist because honestly, he didn't. He hadn't been involved in my life, and so I basically didn't have a dad. So that happened, and then about a couple months later, actually, I want to say maybe, yeah, a couple months later, I graduated, and then I had my graduation party. It was a celebration, you know, for me being the first person in my family to graduate from college and to celebrate my achievements and my success, you know, it was a big day for me. And he showed up at the party. I don't know how he heard about it because it wasn't for me. And I was pissed because you don't respond to my letter or my email or my text, but you feel like you can show up to a celebration honoring my success and me when you didn't even respond to my feelings. How dare you? So I was pissed and I went inside and I was like, I am not coming outside until this man is gone. So I was inside for about an hour um, at my party. And when he left, I went back outside. It was very dramatic, but I just couldn't even bother to be in his presence because I was just so hurt and my heart had hardened towards him. And so that was my reaction. And I think the other piece of how I was feeling and why I even reached out in the first place was because, again, I was acknowledging that there was a void that I needed to fill. Something that I didn't get to mention earlier on in this episode, but I'm going to mention now, is that um, I actually had a stepfather and he was very involved in my life. You know, he did a lot of the things that a father was supposed to do. He taught me how to drive. He um, picked me up from school, you know, things like that, things that a parent does. And there are also a lot of things that I didn't allow him to do. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it was because I wasn't ready or because of the feelings that I was still processing. Whatever the case was, I there was a lot of things that he didn't do. So he filled the void in some ways, but then he didn't fill the void in a lot of other ways. 
So I say all that to say it took me a long time to even start thinking about this work. I wasn't ready to start working on this until this year. You know what I mean? Again, I feel like one of the main reasons was just because of the rejection. And it wasn't just like the rejection of not responding to um, my letter telling you how I felt and then inviting you to my graduation. But the rejection of like, I haven't spoken to you since I was nine, 10 years old. I'm graduating from college. I'm what, 21 years old, 11, 12 years later. Why didn't you reach out to me for all these years? Why did I have to be the parent to try to reconnect and cultivate the relationship with you? That's your job. So again, all of those feelings, the rejection, the pain, the anger, my heart was hardened. But you know, last year when the pandemic started, I decided I needed to go on this journey of healing and of blooming. And for me, that meant a lot of things needed to change. And so I started to do the work and I started to change and I started to heal and the healing spilled over in areas that I didn't even imagine it would. Like I had no idea I would be in this new headspace where I would be even willing to give my biological father a chance. You know what I mean? It's not something I ever dreamed of. But again, like I said, when you start to do the work, when you start to heal, the healing spills over. And so now I'm at a point where I'm ready to give him a chance, but I'm giving him a chance with boundaries and I'm allowing him to take the lead. So if he wants to develop a relationship with me, I'm for it. I'm open. I'm willing. I'm ready to try and I'm going to take it at his pace. And if he doesn't, that's also okay. You know, I think that I'm in a place where I feel like I have a clear conscience now because I've done all that I can. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. So beautiful. So amazing. First of all, like the fact that you have, you're doing the work, but I loved how you said you got to question yourself. Are you willing to do it? Do you want to do it? I mean, that is the, like, when, when it comes to healing, you have to recognize, you have to reflect, and then you have to make the commitment. All right. So if I want to do the work now, I recognize and I reflect it's time for, it's time for us to rediscover. It's time to reestablish. It's time to heal, right? It's time to grow from that. And I do believe like we are both on that same season right now. Like the fact that you said just two months ago, yo, First of all, no. Okay, don't even. Absolutely not. It was definitely a trigger. If you say even my trigger, okay, blocked, everything, like done, you know? And I just see how God is moving, right? And like you said, our hearts are not hardened. And I do believe now the healing is in progress. And it's a beautiful thing for us to now, you know, really go into the space to, um, this radical acceptance that, you know what, I can't avoid hurt. I can't avoid rejection. Now, how do I respond to this? How do I respond to all of this that has hit me? And how do I do the work so that I can be at a healthy space for me? 
You know, I don't really care about everybody. It's I need it for me so that I can be, you know, healthy version to the people that I love and to the people that I interact with, right? And I can't have this big trauma cloud carrying over me, the daddy wounds on my back over in every new relationship, you know, and, and future-wise that we're trying to do. And so I just truly appreciate that you really just kind of like dove into that because I think that it's important that we are, you know, making the commitment to do the work and it's going to be a journey. It's never like, you're not going to wake up and be like, oh, all of my daddy wounds are gone. Like it's over. I've never had them again. No, like you still have to care to that. You still have to let that, you know, wound breathe, you know, like, you know, let it get some air, let it heal right and to the where you can you know acknowledge it but you then you can still you know move on from it and I think that's where we're gonna go I'm excited because part two y'all y'all definitely have to check out part two where we're gonna be I'm gonna kind of be sharing my you know perspective and my story on the bloom again podcast where we're talking about rediscovering and reestablishing in our healing when it comes to our daddy wounds and what that looks like for both of us. Um, because this has, this has been a journey. Like I was in the trenches last year, yo. Not the trenches. <laughs> the trenches out here depressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whole depression. And I was just carrying that cloud right over me, the trauma cloud over me. But to see, you know, um, how God has really helped me rediscover myself in the midst of my trauma. I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's something that we definitely need to share um, because there is hope on the other side. Even if you have, you know, um, daddy issues or mommy issues or just codependency or counterdependency issues, like that does, it's not the end all be all. Like there is hope, you know? And um, it's just like you said, Laura K, making the commitment, putting in the work. Embrace so, the work. That's all. Embrace the work. That's I love that. Embrace yes. the work. Yes. Oh, that's dope. Embrace the work. Y'all hear it. Y'all hear it live. Okay. From Laura K. Embrace the work. Hashtag that. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're excited. Check out part two. We're going to be on the Blooming Again podcast where I'm going to be sharing my perspective. If you liked part one, you definitely have to check out part two. All right, guys. Thanks for listening up. Bye.